One of the reasons I chose uh, Real Life Church as my place of discipleship, I don't consider us a church, but I do consider us a group of disciples, um, is exactly that we are committed to the Great Commission. And uh, today my message is just continuing off. I was like, okay, just tell us about the trip. Please stop preaching my message. <laughs> it's exactly that. I am speaking on the Great Commission. And my message today is just no exceptions. There is no exceptions to that uh, command. Um, so I'm just going to go straight into it and we will pray at the end. When Jesus uh, was coming to the end of his time um, and just before his ascension, he calls for a very important meeting. He calls for a very important meeting and says to the disciples, I'll meet you um, just up the hill there. <laughs> it's not a crop hill. <laughs> but he does meet them up on the mountain and he says here, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now he is speaking not just as Jesus, the son of God, or the, uh, the person that they knew. He is speaking with all authority on behalf of the Trinity. He's speaking on all authority that has been given to him. And so this command is not just a command that should be taken lightly. It's not just a, uh, an instruction you know, when we can look around and say, oh, he's told us to love one another and it's difficult. It's not one of those where you, can, you get to say it's difficult. With all authority, he has instructed us um, to go out. And um, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Mark... There's an action, which is to go, and then there's an instruction, which is to make disciples, which is different from just, you know, tell people about Jesus and get them saved. Discipleship is more than that. It's about living the life with them, walking the walk with them, and encouraging them. And if, if you, you've received Jesus before, you know it's very easy uh, to, to, to backslide, because without discipleship, it's very easy not to know where do I go from here, you know. And so this instruction, he's saying, look, I've spent time with you showing you how you should live life with authority. How you should live life uh, with dominion, you know. How you should live life as an example to the people around you. And so that's what he's instructing the disciples to do. And um, we, we witnessed baptism just the other day. When I had my baptism, I had it at Kuji Beach, and it was incredible because the, um, I looked at the height of the people who were there, and I looked at Pastor David, he's slightly taller than me, and so I got a little concerned when you look, you look at people in the water and think, how deep is that water? You know, um, but when you've known a person and they invite you into the water, you trust them. You trust them so you're able to walk towards them and say, okay, uh, they've got me. And so this is exactly what Jesus is instructing in this very moment and saying, you know, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father. People need to trust you to have the confidence in you. And this is exactly what he's saying to the disciples in this very moment that, 
you can't just go and tell them about me. Because if you, if you read through scripture, you see how people were living in that time in denial of who Jesus is. So they have to live in authority with these people. They have to live a life that is an example of the power that they ha has been bestowed on them. So that people can have the confidence in who Jesus is. They can have the confidence in the Trinity. And this is exactly the same instruction we are having here. That, you know what? You have to live your life in confidence of who Jesus is for others to trust that he is who you say he is. And that is the instruction that he's giving them. And then we, 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 uh, it goes on further to say, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that is the icing on the cake. That's what makes it a lot easier. That's what makes it a lot easier. You may be sitting here and thinking, you know what? <laughs> it's not as easy as you say. Hearing what Ivan and Jane have just shared, you may be looking at it and thinking, yeah, it, it costs money. It, it, you know, it's uncomfortable. It takes a lot. And yes, it does. But Jesus promises to be with you always, always. So there is no exception, Real Life Church. There is no exception. Over the weekend, we had fusion happening in um, Mills Park. It was so incredible seeing the merging of cultures coming together. And it got me thinking, the nations are coming to you, Real Life Church. So what's your excuse? The nations are coming to you. So what's your excuse? We always think, of course, it's good to go to the ends of the world because there's still people who are still untouched, who've never heard the gospel. But there's also a lot of people who've heard about God, but not the gospel. There's more people who will be the Sunday Christian. There is more people who know God and will tell you they love God. And this is why we have so much chaos in the body of Christ. This is why we have so much chaos in the world because we have less disciples and more people who just know God. So there we are. There's no exceptions to this command. Every day we have um, to understand that our lives as disciples have to reflect the love of Jesus Christ every single day. Wouldn't it be so cool to send our kids to schools where teachers are so filled with the Holy Spirit that we, we're so comfortable sending our kids there and not afraid that they will be turned against us. You know, government officials who are afraid, you know, who have got the reverence of God in them. I, w I actually love, I, I take time to get to know my doctors because I want to go to a doctor who's not give, going to give me a diagnosis, but who has faith before they tell me a diagnosis. I want to know that before you even tell me, you also don't even believe in the diagnosis, but you believe in the power of God for healing. That's what I want. So really, all of us are not exempt whatsoever. And you still may be doubting. There's always a doubting Thomas in life. God is able to enable the unable to do the able. <laughs> God is actually 
able to do that for you. And I'm going to read um, from Exodus. In Exodus, from around chapter 25, there's an instruction that is given um, to, to the Israelites. God is instructing them to build um, a, a tabernacle, which is this big, beautiful tent. And God has got specific instructions as to how this tent is going to be built uh, as a place of worship. Because they're in the wilderness and he wants them to carry it with them so that they can have a place of worship. And so God gives clear instructions to Moses. And he says, reading there, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from Everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and God's hair, rams, uh, skins, dye red, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, Oil for the light and spices uh, for the anointing oil and uh, for the sweet incense, onyx stone and stones to be set in the effort and in the breastplate. And it goes on to list more and more things that people are supposed to bring in. And they're supposed to bring in with cheerful hearts. We've just taken a missions offering just now. They're supposed to bring in all these things for the work of the Lord. And so they do that. And later on, we go on to uh, chapter 31, where God himself then instructs uh, Moses and specifically then says, there's people that I want you to talk to. God, in this very moment today, if you are ready, is talking to you. There is people here that God is talking to in this very moment. And this is what God is saying. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all workmanship. To design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, in carving wood, and to work in all manner of workmanship. <laughs> I'm getting tongue-tied. God is speaking to you. I don't know what you think you have. You may be the housewife. God is saying, he has given you the spirit of God in wisdom to be able to make wise decisions, to know when to speak and when not to, to know where to go and to who you are sent out to. He has filled you with the Spirit of God in understanding. Understanding is also about having perception, a different perspective to how people view life, having a godly perspective. Understanding also is empathy, not sympathy, but empathy. Understanding requires you to walk out of your own comfort zone into somebody else's zone and be with them when they need you. He has also filled us with his spirit in knowledge, 
He has given you the words to speak. He has given you what you need to say to these people that he's sending you out to. And in all manner of workmanship. Now, Balzalel was just a mere artisan. He probably would not have considered himself worthy in that moment because there was Aaron, there was Joshua, there was Moses. And we always tend to look at the priests, we tend to look at the other people as they're the ones with the calling of God. But here God is saying, this man I have appointed. And he lists many others that he instructs Moses to go to because they are the ones with the gifting that is required to put together this tent. You have the gifting that is required, Adrian. You have the gifting that is required to do that which he wants to do in this world in this very moment. You have it, and he has given it to you. Don't look elsewhere. Don't look at the person next to you. You are equipped. You are equipped. You have that which is required right now in the world in this very moment to do the will of the Father. Chapter after chapter in the Bible, we read of so many other people who are called out to do the work of the Father. And it is done in different ways. It is that simple. There is no exception. There is no exception to the great command. And that is just for us to say, yes, God, I do realize I have it. And you will not leave me. So I am able to do that which you desire for me. God has equipped us all. When I was in uni, we, had, um, we came across a lady. So it was just two, two days after I got saved. I was sitting in a room, and this lady just walked up to me and says, do you want to come home on Friday for dinner? So when you're a uni student and you're broke, you'll take any meal, right? So I got, out of safety, I gathered a few friends and thought, okay, let's go. There's a lady who's invited us for dinner. So we went to her house. Um, and they had moved from Kenya to Zimbabwe and had been in Zimbabwe for four years. And uh, they had been assigned to Zimbabwe as uh, missionaries, but they were not having any joy talking because obviously we had a different language, different attitude. And so they were not having any joy whatsoever. So then she, we decided, okay, she, she, it will take a meal. We went to her house. So we went there, eight of us, and it became a habit um, that every day she would say, can you come tomorrow? Can you come tomorrow? Two weeks later, we were on a bus driving all the way to Zambia, and she just threw us in the deep end, just like that. You're here to preach the gospel. We thought, what? And she just told us, just share your testimony. Two minutes is all you have. We thought, that's strange. Are you even going to listen to it? She said, no. No, just say it as it is. And so that's what we did. That's how we started. Of course, over time, um, we were coached, we were trained and all of it. But that's how it started. Out of that grew a discipleship group. But she didn't think it would grow to that. And she said in her words, that was the best thing ever. Just inviting us to come for a meal and not to preach directly to us. God will equip you with wisdom to approach the people that you are assigned to 
in a unique way because they are hungry for you. Now, our discipleship group was eight ladies coming from broken homes. We had never known what love looked like. Sitting in a house made us soften our hearts and see the love of the Father. It was the first time that we sat and cried out and felt like, wow, there's actually a Father who can love and is capable of loving you. And to this day, we are still ministering in different places. Others are in England. Others are still in Zimbabwe. But that's how it started as a discipleship group. Right here at Real Life Church, we have English classes that are happening. That, too, is a place of discipleship. In your home, I know so many people towards Christmas, they open up their homes for people to come and have a meal. The unique ways of doing it. Others, like Fritz, will volunteer to come and do some work at your house. Maybe not. <laughs> but God has given you unique ways to each and every one of us. Unique ways to allow you to enter into somebody's place and minister to them. It's not complicated. So let's not overthink it. Let's not overprocess it and think, I'm not qualified to do it. I need to grow up a little bit more. I need to learn the Bible a little bit more. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Are you saved? Yes. Then that's all it takes. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. I love how even after Jesus ascended, Peter and John are walking and they're walking uh, past the temple gate. They meet this man sitting there begging for silver and gold. And that's, their response is exactly the kind of response we should all walk out with today. He asks them and they say, look at us. Just look at us. We don't have silver and gold. But what we have, we will give to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, look at me. What I have is Jesus. That's all I have. That's all I have. Look at me. That's all you have. That's all you have. The power of God is all you have. In your human mind, you have nothing. You could come with all the money and they will not take it. You could come with all the intellect, they will not take it. Because if they're not called to you, they're not, if they're not dis, uh, assigned to you, they will not receive you. We've heard so many stories of people who are kicked out of places. So many people who are bitten on the mission field. It is hostile, but with God to the right people. What do you have, real life church? What do you have? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have. I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. There's so many people who need miracles in this very moment in the world. Whether you're a nurse, whether you're a housewife, whether you think, ah, I'm doing nothing. Do you know some people have never seen a smile? Some people have never seen a smile. If you get on the train, you will see 
the faces of people so desperate for the love of God. So desperate for the love of God. You, I see, um, you know, towards election, I see people standing by the train stations giving out flyers. And I always wonder, wouldn't it be so nice to just stand there and smile instead? Because we don't want their flyers, but wouldn't it be good if they just stood there and smiled? We'll do with a smile. We'll take a smile, won't we? That's just how simple it is. God's command is that simple. And there is no exception. I just want to close um, with this, really. I want us to pray for two groups of people. And the first group of people I want to pray for is those who have known God but have not committed to God. They have heard about God but have not committed to God. Salvation is about commitment. When you get saved, you are free indeed. When you receive Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, it's no longer about you. It's about God himself living in you. That's the first group of people I want to pray for. Who just want to connect again with Jesus and say, you know what? I had it all mixed up. But I want to go on this great commission. I want to do that which you have assigned me to do. The first thing is to say yes to Jesus. And that's the first group of people I want to pray for. So if we can bow our heads. And then you can just lift up your hand and then I will be able to tell who we are praying with. Those who are saying, yes, I need Jesus in my life. I do not want to be the master of my own life. I've tried it before. It hasn't worked. It hasn't worked. I just need Jesus in my life. We want to speak Jesus into your life. Well, it's good to see that all of us are ready. And then that means we all sit in group two. Group two is those who finally have realized that God is able to enable you to do that which he wants you to do. Those who finally realize that I actually have everything that I need. And that's Jesus. That's God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I have it. If we can all stand. And this is all of us pretty much. But if you really feel like you are called to the mission field, step forward. Step forward and we'll pray with you. The pastors will pray with you. Ivan and Jane are here. Most of our missionaries are becoming of age. And we need more and more young people to step out and be on the mission field. We need more and more young people. You see, the biggest question that is ever asked to anyone is, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to do? And we see this throughout in education, in our education system. The question should actually be, what do you think God is calling you to do? We can get all the education, but if we don't implement it in what God has called us to do, then we are lost. We are actually lost. We are to serve the will of the Father because there is no exceptions. So I'm calling you 
those who are still young and energetic, to step forward and go out. Going out doesn't necessarily mean going out on a plane into another country. It's right at your doorstep, right in the city of Gosnells, right here in Real Life Church. If this is where God has assigned you, it's right here. So I'm inviting you to step up, step forward. We're opening up the front here and we want to pray with you this morning. If you're saying, yes, I have it. Yes, I'm not an exception. I want to minister the word of God to people that I'm called to. Step forward. I'm going to read this scripture. Mark 10, 29. Let me assure you that no one has ever given up anything, home, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, or property for love of me and to tell others the good news who won't be given back a hundred times over. This is the word of the Lord in Mark chapter 10. God will honor you. God will honor you. There is no exception. So I ask again, who will say yes? Who will say yes to the Great Commission? Who will say yes? Wonderful. Wonderful. We're waiting. Who will say yes? Who will say yes? To the teaching of the word of God. Who will say yes? Who will say yes? I say yes. God send me where you want me to go. If it's in the city of Gosnells, I say yes. I'm going to pray this prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we stand here at attention. And we make ourselves available to you to do as you wish. We surrender our lives to your Lordship totally, completely. And we desire to be the children of God through whom you can bring your message of love and forgiveness to the world. We invite you, God, to empower us to cleanse us, and to lead us, to inspire, to teach, and to enable us to do that which you will to bring the greatest honor and glory to your name. Enable us, Holy Spirit, to contribute the maximum time, the talent, the treasure to the fulfillment of the great commission in our time. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.